Hello, I'm joined by Richard Batty here in his studio. Hi, Richard. Hi, hi. Thanks for coming in. The last time we talked, we uh, we focused on on your work as a professional photographer. Yes. We talked at greater length about uh, the this England project. Yes. Well, I was just interested in uh, always been interested in subculture style fashion music and how how that impacts on how we look so you get some quite interesting and creative looking people out there in the world so i kind of made a list of people that i thought would make good subjects um in a, in a visual way um that really dressed in a, in a way to ref reflect their, their musical tastes their hobbies and and tried to keep it quite eclectic um but it had to be visually interesting that was something that I was interested in because it was um, a self-funded exhibition it was something I was doing just for the love of it I could be selective really and, and, and choose subjects that I was interested in so I made a list and um, really just basically scratched under the surface of English subculture if you like um, started in, in music as it was an easy easy way in I've always played in bands and been a musician so that was a very easy access point for me um, so the first shoot was at a heavy metal club um, where you, you know you've got your, your typical characters uh, but then I wanted to didn't make it want to be musical or that sort of genre specific and really what I did I made a list of things so you've got people like the English Civil War Society the sealed knot those kind of people who do the historical battle reenactments and then you've got um, all the various music subcultures and then you've got you know you start digging a bit deeper underground and you've got things like fetish culture and fetish clubs um, but then you've got the lovely quirky things we've got in England like Morris dancers mm. and just people who, who do things like that at the weekend and, and again that's partly it's some of it is people do it at the weekend or sometimes people live you know live it 24 7 like old bikers are quite good they're very visual um, and obviously people who have permanent uh, body modifications like tattoos and piercings it's, it's always there on show so I made a list um, and spent basically 1999 the whole year on and off um, making appointments with promoters producers event people and going along and, and shooting and the the important thing for me was to not pre-warn people and not um, preempt anything really and just turn up and, and see what I could find um, I took a studio with me to where people were instead of inviting them here. Some some came to my studio just because they lived locally and it was easy. But what I would do is basically turn up at a club or an event, take a, a portable studio with me, and then just invite people to have their photograph taken. And uh, the, you know, sometimes you're in a club at two o'clock in the morning, you've got a lot of noise. It's difficult to try and explain every time what you're doing, and you need to break the ice quickly. I had cards printed that said, you look great, can I shoot you? <laughs> and that was perfect. And once people saw that, made them smile. That's a real icebreaker, isn't it? It was great, it really worked. Um, so when are we talking about now? We're talking about, this is going back... 1999, so yeah. It started, started 99, just before yeah. the turn of the century. <laughs> Which I think, again, is in, it's, it's nice that there's that kind of slice of life of, of that point in history. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe one day it'll become a kind of historical thing. You've got that... that um, aspect as well but um, for, I did it for, just because I was purely interested the nice thing was because um, it was completely out of my uh, professional and commercial life it was just something I was interested in there was no pressure there was no time scale pressure there was no financial pressure 
and I could just dip in and out of it as and when I found things. Um, and once the ball got rolling, once I got two or three shoots under my belt, then I got something to show people as well, which made it easier. Because the first shoot, that was the hardest one. Mm. What are you doing? And I've got nothing to show anybody. So uh, you kind of explain, well, I've got this idea, but until it got a bit of, you know, bit of legs that I could then show people prints and things. Did you know at the beginning that it was going to become kind of thematic thing with different kinds of subcultures, or was it just, you know, you just kind of... I did. Well, I, I did because I, I did make a list. Um, what sparked the whole project off was going to um, was a, um, an English Civil War event at Aston Hall in Birmingham, and I'd, I'd photographed these kind of things before, uh, commercially, well, professionally for, for for people. And the the problem, what I the, the original problem was finding that if you try and shoot in a club or an event, you've got so little control mainly of background, and that was my biggest issue, was, was you know, you're shooting these people, but then you might have a car park or litter bins or people not in costume mm. in the background. So I realised straight away that isolating them and just shooting them on a plain background was the was the way forward. So after that first um, event, which, which sort of gave me the idea, um, I sat down and just wrote a list of things that I thought would make an interesting um, project to work on. And then I just thought, well, if... The list was maybe 25, 30 um, events, music things, whatever. And I thought, well, if I get one good picture out of each of the shoot, that, that's enough for an exhibition. Mm. So with that starting point, um, my, as I say, my easiest way in was through music. And I, I got a, a club owner to let me shoot in, in, a, in a nightclub. Um, and it was just, it was lovely because the, the nice thing was just knowing roughly what you wanted to do, but then... It was that element of just not knowing who's going to walk in through the door, mm. um, and that made it really quite exciting. And I, throughout the whole thing, then you, that that was what was the nice thing about it. You go to an event, say you go to something like, um, you know, especially a battle reenactment. But you go to a Viking event, you kind of know what kind of image you're going to get. But you go to a nightclub, or you go to a fetish club, or you go to a gothic weekend. You can get all sorts of things turning up, and with all of these, you're kind of taking them out of their context, aren't you? By by isolating them, sure. putting them on a background. You, you know, each of these people are just you know, the emphasis is entirely on mm. on them and their what they're wearing. The nice thing about doing it on location at an event, at a club, is they had gone there without any prior knowledge of this photo shoot happening. They'd gone dressed how they wanted to be dressed to you know whatever that entailed um, and yes suddenly by just dropping a white background behind them you isolate them yet they were still in their proper environment mm, yeah so for that for them they're still they're still in a kind of comfort comfortable yeah kind of zone absolutely and, it, and that's that's the crazy thing is you could have you know t literally 2,000 people in an event and then a few meters off say the dance floor they were in a photo studio that was completely isolated, yet they were there with all the music going on, their friends there. Mm. Um, it, was, it made it quite interesting. And then when someone's seeing it, that all of that context is taken away because you, you, when we're seeing a photograph, we're not we're not seeing what's around that. We're not sure. seeing you know, like, like with all photographs, really, it's very very selective. And but we're not getting any of that, so we're just as viewers, as mm -hmm. an audience, just focused on on the person. That's it. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't want any of that distraction. Um, so I've, I've I've tried doing it a different way, and it, you need that isolation. I mean, really, it's it's you know, it's not new. It's what photographers have been doing for for years. But um, just keeping it simple, you just 
the thing is, the way I started looking at it was people want to look at characters, you want to look at tattoos, you want to, if somebody's there with 64 piercings in their face, you want to have a good look and a good stare. And you can't because you're embarrassed, you got eye contact, you might be intimidated by that person. You've got a three foot tall print of somebody's face with 64 piercings in a, in a show, you can go and have a really good stare and have mm. a look. But by isolating it against white, it just made it, there's nothing else to look at apart from the person. Yeah, and the, and the kind of cumulative effect of all of these photographs, uh, different nights, different clubs, different subcultures, in, in one space of an exhibition, that's quite an impressive... It uh, is, and it, 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 basically the, 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 the original thing was just to give the whole thing continuity, because, you know, and people commented, say, well, have you just shot them all in the studio? Well, well, yes and no. You know, he was in the studio effectively because I took one with me and just shot them on white. But um, Richard Avedon used to do a, a, this. He used to go out and shoot people working in sort of heavy industry and miners. And, you know, he'd just literally get people covered in oil and dirt just to stand outside and he'd just literally have a bit of white behind them. Straight away you're isolated and then you're looking at that person. Yeah. So it was an exhibition or a series of exhibitions. 14, it went, it toured for three and a half years um, around the UK to 14 galleries from, uh, it showed in London in Mayfair and it went up as, as far as the North East, North Shields was the furthest and kind of everywhere in between. Mm. And then I, as the show was taking, as it was on, on the way, um, Kodak um, saw what I was doing. A rep just visited my studio, saw what I was doing. There was a print on the, on the floor in the studio, it was my first test print actually. And they were impressed and they thought it was shot 5-4. And I said, no, look at the format. And they said, oh, 6-7. I went, no, look carefully at the format. It's 35 millimeter. Because the film I was using is Kodak, was Kodak CN400, which went through a C41 process. And I did it that way because A, the film was great. It was virtually grainless. And it meant I could get film processed wherever I was. I could just find any lab if I needed to and just process it, stick it through a C41 process. Mm. Um, and end up having negatives which I could print. Um, so, but it was it was the quality of the the film and the, the grain free nature of it that took me down that road. And then when Kodak saw what was happening, they sponsored me in film, um, which which was great because it obviously it was all self funded. This so every now and again Kodak could throw me forty rolls of film, which meant great I can do more more photography and it just that just helped. So there's no financial um, sponsorship, but the, the film from Kodak was great. And then the the exhibiting of it, was that self-funded as well? It was really, yeah. I mean, I you know I ended up buying a different car because um, the first couple of shows, I'd, I had I had frames made up um, by a guy in the custom factory here. And um, that's, so that, that, they were basically bespoke made for this show. Um, and I couldn't fit them in my car at the time. I couldn't fit the whole show. I think it was 28 of them in, in total. And I, I could fit about 20 in. So the first couple of exhibitions, I was having to hire a van each way. Then you've got the, uh, you know, promoting it and then doing flyers and doing all the rest of it. And then you do a private view, so you're buying wine. So you'd spend, you know, probably each time I did a show, it was costing me maybe between four and six hundred pounds. So after the first couple of shows, I changed my car. To get a car that it would could fit the whole thing in, so then I could drive it everywhere myself. That helped, um, and yeah, the 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 printing basically the guy it was all hand printed in, in black and white, and the guy who did it for me he was just just really interested and, and and happy to do it. 
and it was a pro lab but he, he worked out of hours for me on a, on a project wow. and he did it basically at cost price for me because mm -hmm. he was it was a labor of love for him because yeah, that would have been a huge cost it would because you know the prints were they were three feet by two feet um, it was basically the same you know three by two pro of a 35 mil printed up and this is this was definitely the days before inkjet printing was common or before it was of a sufficient quality to call it exhibition quality in yeah, any sense it was absolutely um i didn't even consider shooting it digitally or, yeah. or going down any digital route and even 30 because at the time i was shooting i was shooting at that point um professionally on a Hasselblad uh, mainly everything I shot was transparency film but um, this this lended it lends itself to black and white I really I, I like black and white anyway mm. and it just again it, it, it smooths out a lot of things and makes it a, a, a you know it just gives the whole exhibition a little bit of weight I think as well um, and yeah having it hand printed was the, was the way to go yeah I remember seeing um, back about that time first kind of few exhibitions i saw where people had uh, had printed digitally mm -hmm. and um just being really just not not impressed at all with the with the quality that they were they were putting on the walls of exhibitions at places like the midland arts center yeah. down the mac and um and and still and it still seemed to be that they hadn't got their head around the fact that this was just a digital print now and it was just easily you know, you could easily replicate it, yet then sure. we're still trying to charge the kind of money for selling a print yep. that you would have expected to have been a, a, a hand, more much more limited run uh, photographic print. Absolutely. And, you know, things have moved on, obviously, so much since that, uh, you know, next exhibition was printed, you know, digital stuff. But mm. that one, it was just nice to do it properly, sort of old school, proper black yeah. and white. Yeah. So... So this this the exhibition tour for three and a half years. Any any anything else happened with it? Books or anything since this? No, I've had two two false starts on books. Mm. Um, in fact, two. I mean, if I just could, if I could just find the time, I would just sit down and write it myself, which I should do. I really should do. But um, two two writers independently have both agreed to come on board, and then have both sort of dropped off and said no you should do it yourself which i know i should do it myself um because it's the longer i leave it i guess uh i mean i'll forget things about the 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 show but then again the longer i leave it the more i've kind of thought around it and mm. you know even looked deeper into some of the subjects i photographed and and got a bit more knowledge of, of you know different different things like that like the whole tattoo and piercing thing i know a lot more about now and that's interesting how historically this this thing does change. Um, I did start shooting this England too, for want of a better title, yeah. just to see how things had moved on or not moved on um, and changed. I, I did a proper this England shoot um, in the last six months, and, and the crazy thing about that was I met people who I'd photographed first time round. Yeah, so this is something that the time, the, the gap in time is useful in that sense, and that you can you can revisit some of those people, reconnect with mm. with some of them, and and it kind of contextualizes the whole thing, doesn't it? And I've kept in, you know, I've kept in touch. I mean, I made I made friends on that shoot. Yeah. Um, people I photographed have died since. You know, um, and and fascinating is 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 that uh, when I did the this let's call it this England two shoot recently at the Irish Centre, I met say I met somebody who'd who'd 
husband had died. She'd remarried. And then I'd, I got to photograph some sort of 18 year olds who, you know, would have been nine, 10 years old when I did the first yeah. show. And they're now dressing and, and listening to sort of old school rockabilly music. And they'd have been children when I photographed yeah. it the first time. So the fashions and the subcultures have remained pretty constant. In lots of these cases, they're out of their time anyway, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, things like, you know, heavy metal, um, rockers, bikers, you know, that style, and the, especially the rock and roll stuff, isn't really ever going to change. Um, the styles and fashions, hairstyles will roughly stay the same, and the people just get older, and then new people come onto the scene. Um, you know, it will... That's what, that's what I quite... This is what I find interesting, because, you know, I do fashion photography, um, and... I've always been interested in how music and you know subcultures influence fashion. Um, so to go back to that original grassroots street level of, of where it develops from is, is quite interesting. And then as as generations move on, it and then it sort of loops back in sometimes. And you know as something that's gone mainstream or coming from another subculture, you know you think of all like heavy metal and then goth and glam and how all that and punk all mixes up with, mm. with fashions and styles and then you see it going back into the subcultures from from another another influence and you know just if you be really interesting sort of every 10 years to do this england yeah i think so yeah that's why you've got to do this england 2013 because mm. we want this england 2023 and yeah and there needs to be the next one first it, it i have to say i have started shooting it and uh so how's the approach different? Has, has your approach changed? Okay, the, sub, the subcultures haven't really changed. The people in them have grown and died and changed mm -hmm. new people. But how, how's your approach changed? Has there anything anything happened there? To be honest, not not really, because the the first way that I did it was was it worked. Um, this England two, let's call it that. The, the one shoot that I have done, I did do it differently. In that, I shot it digitally. Um, I've not done anything with that really. Um, I've not got plans at the moment to do another This England 2 exhibition. Um, if I didn't have to do a real job and earn money and work, I would love to just you know plow my life into to working on this and you know get finally get the book uh, together. I think the book would be a really interesting one to do, whether it's you know a, a print book, a, a blog, a, a digital format. Because the the nice thing is each each shoot. And each uh, style or genre of people I shot, you know, that's just a chapter, if you like, mm. or a post, which would, you know, be a little self-contained. You know, I could do a whole thing about shooting the, the fetish underground, the gothic scene, mm. um, you know, the, the uh, battle reenactment scene. Um, and then there's just lovely little anecdotal stories that come out of each of those different shoots. Yeah. So, but I guess, going back to 1999, you know, that, the whole context of of photography has changed the whole the, the the we were in the very early days of the of the world wide web yeah and the popularity of the internet through through that um i guess a lot a lot of the people we knew and worked with at that time did weren't active online didn't didn't shoot photographs and now here we are at 20, 2013 everyone shooting digital photographs sure. most of those people are sharing them the kind of immediacy of the image and the disposability of the image as well have really changed and increased 
Absolutely um, true. And uh, I don't know. I think, you know, did you, did you use the word diluted though? I can't remember mm, if you did. But, well, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm implying that. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, as as, as as professional photographers, you know, that's how you, you feel because yeah. there's just, you know, the, the world is just awash with more images now. So I guess what what we were seeing in those uh, Miss England images then, they'd got, a, a I guess, a, a slight rare quality to them that... You know, not everybody was seeing these, that the people, because it wasn't online in the early days, it's on, it's on my website now. And, you know, you saw those pictures if you went to the exhibition. Yeah. And um, I guess also the, the context of, of the way the images are made, the taking of them, that in the places where those people were gathering, image capturing wasn't as common. Not at all. No, people, you know, you didn't really have um, camera phones then. Um, and people weren't taking photographs in a club because they were in the club to enjoy themselves. So now people are, it's routine, isn't it, that people, people are photographing what's happening in, yep. in a subculture, in a club, posting them on Facebook, sharing them in kind of closed, limited communities. Sharing them instantly, yeah. you know, tweeting them. That's it now, you're in a club, you see something, and it's, it's online in, in yeah. seconds. Yeah, um, so, so it does change the context of it, but, uh, you know, and it maybe puts more emphasis on the the importance of capturing the right image and the way the way somebody wants to be presented because because they don't have much control over the way they're represented all the mm. the rest of the time they're just captured by people all the time that's it and i think it's it's that's why you know that sometimes you can you can just just do something quite simple which will make the photograph a much you know just by putting a white background behind something will will make it a much better picture just mm. trying to convey what you're trying to see um people's perception and, and and view i think of photography has just changed so so much in 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 this time period we're talking about um and unfortunately for me you know as a professional photographer that the pe people accept much lesser quality of things as well mm. so I don't know, you know, I don't know where it's going to go. Who knows? It's, it's, I mean, for me, you know, to have been involved in photography in, in this timescale of, of its, of its history is, is, it's quite fascinating, you know, coming out of college, graduating in 1986, shooting 10 by 8 film, you know, hand processing and hand developing things and hand printing, uh, to now the web camera phones that are shooting, you know, ridiculously yeah. high quality images. It's just a period of like the, the, that 10 20 years of incredible change yeah and mm, yeah. for me that's just my you know historically accidentally <laughs> been born at this point in time yeah my career's run through all that change and it's 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 scary it's interesting it's fascinating and uh, you know you kind of have to take you know it's, it's not you can't go back but then well you say you can't go back but you can go back because i can just say right i'm only going to shoot film i'm only going to do it this way i'm only going to hand print stuff and it becomes something else, then, doesn't it? it becomes uh, kind of a kind of deliberate exercise in 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 taking it away from certain m more modern trends and and focusing on what what what's different. It kind of isolates those those differences in some way. It does, and it's interesting in that you know I I, I work with younger people now, students, and I do mentoring and I do workshops, and then you've got people now who are say, you know, undergraduates, and they've never shot film, they've not. So if I shoot film and do it, which is kind of normal for me because I've done that for years, 
to them it's a whole new revelation of, of the way of working yeah and we're living in a time when okay some some technologies some of the older technologies are dying out they aren't as available but they're still uh, yeah we're in a time when when it is possible to access lots of different types of ways of doing things at the same time it is possible to to access film Absolutely. it is possible to do it in a, a traditional camera format it is possible to to i don't know to make a pinhole camera it is possible to do it entirely digitally with camera phones and and all, all at the same time um and it maybe that's one of the things that the internet has made happen yeah that that, that it's that it's become it's become okay to kind of market to many many different kind of requirements and needs all at once because you can you've got to go on global reach with this i mean i'm comparing it with the times when canon would would have like five cameras in its range sure. and they were all and they and you could you could match them across everyone else's range as well you know there's mm -hmm. the entry level one yeah there's the aperture priority one there's the aperture and shutter priority one and here's the program one yeah. and there's the pro one sure. at the top and, and it was all the same now there seems to be such a possible diversity of kind of approach and we were talking i was talking on uh, on, the, on the last episode of resolution with mike pretty and we're talking about the future of of retail and yes. obviously in the UK with Jessops sure. going and then coming back and and uh, and, and so on you know and it, it it occurred after that in some conversations that that perhaps what Jessops re what a company like that really needs to do now is to embrace all of that stuff at once and say well you know we can sell film and we can we can cater to sure. really niche kind of requirements at the same time you know which which is something that maybe yeah, it maybe won't happen online so much. No, it's and it, it's it's opened it out so much. You know, there's there's no right or wrong really. Um, if 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 you're working in a, a commercial context, obviously you you shoot the you shoot in the format that your client desires. Yeah, sure. Um, I was working. There was a photographer in my studio literally a few days ago from the, from New York who he was shooting portraits and he shot on Hasselblad Digital. Pentax uh, six seven and he was shooting uh, color negative, color transparency, and I think he was shooting black and white. Mm. He had three assistants because he was shooting so many formats that you know I don't know how they kept up with him. Honestly, it was it was crazy, and he's either covering all his bases or he likes to work in all those formats to to get the best out of each of them. Yeah, because they've all got a different feel, haven't they? I mean, the lenses. You'll probably you probably love love a particular lens that works with the the Pentax Absolutely. system, and, yeah. Uh, or maybe it like, just likes the shape, the shape of the uh, of the negative. That's it. And uh, you know, they he he makes you know makes the judgment call on on all of those, and or you could do it all digitally and then do it in post production. You've got so and people and people are pulling an iPhone out of their pocket, aren't they? At the same time as they've got a sure. a, a pretty high end DSLR, they're pulling the iPhone out because it because the the bit of software they're using that gives it a particular feel. There's a book I can't remember. The the book's called "The Best Camera Is the One You've Got With You." Yeah, and you know that exactly. You yeah. you can. It depends. It's it's only this. I mean, realistically, it's only the same as if you're an artist. You know, you drawing. You know, you're going to work in pencil or charcoal or gouache or oils. Yeah. You've got those different tools, and I guess with photography now, it's just, you know, back when I was started shooting. You were either going to shoot colour or black and white, 
and you know you've got your different formats yeah. but you, that was it really it was like do it do you shoot negative or do you shoot transparency really was the choice and then you could put a filter on the lens or not or you know <laughs> yeah. then but then you'd got your you know your photoshop was what you could do in the dark room hmm. and you know you became quite inventive but now that's the thing with digital you know you you're getting things you're getting effects that you would do in the dark room and yeah and it's, and it's all just different ways of capturing light that's all it is. That's it's still why, photography. It's yeah. still photography, and that's that's the thing. And crucially, that's why I always am a stickler and keep talking about lighting because that's the that's the one thing that will never change. That's photography is about light. Yeah, it's also the thing that, that if we look thinking about what what people are capturing in clubs themselves, mm. the, the thing that seems I would say most clearly differentiates a well taken photograph from a, an amateurishly snapped image is the lighting. It's the lighting and it's having, I guess, you know, you have got the, the technology of, of um, cameras and, and this is what's changed. This is what I'm finding is changing enormously. In fact, the last camera I bought, which is the one I use now as my main camera, I bought it for two shoots purely because of its low light qualities. Yeah. And I shot uh, backstage at the ballet recently. I couldn't use any lighting. I couldn't even take a tripod. But the camera, you know, you push it up to a thousand ISO, and it was still taking great pictures. Yeah. And you know, if if I'd tried to do that on my Hasselblad, ten fifteen years ago on film, you'd have you'd have no chance. <laughs> well, I remember pushing, pushing the sixteen hundred ASA film up mm. to thirty two and sixty four hundred. You know, and the grain. The grain is <laughs> it's like looking at it's like looking at pointillist painting. It. But then you, you could know. call it art, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, it's meant to look like that. But now people complain, oh, digital, you know, it's too great, it's it's not high enough quality, there's too much noise. But it's, <laughs> And I know no, digital noise is different to photo grain, but it's still it's the same you know, limitation of what we're, what we're dealing with, you know, we're amplifying something that isn't really there. Sure. Um, so just, you know, just to kind of wrap wrap things up a little bit and bring you back, if, you, if you're going to, if you're reapproaching the this England subject area, that, that whole thing, and, and then thinking that this might naturally lead into another exhibition, another set of exhibitions around it. What, what, what do you think's changed there? I mean, how would we do it differently now? What, what's altered in the kind of way we get these images out to people? Well, I think, you know, we've just been talking about shooting digitally. So I guess that's the, the next natural progression is to, to show the work digitally instead of um, uh, traditional print. Hmm. The, the problem with, with exhibitions, it's, I think, you know, you can't beat going to a good exhibition. Yeah, but as a, as a as somebody who's who's done them and toured them, the physicality of actually hanging a show, getting those prints, um, they get damaged. It's expensive, so you know it's it's opening up and seeing what we can do with digital technology and and show an exhibition in a digital format is the, is the is the next way I'd like to go. Yeah, and I guess what, no matter how how popular we think we can make our exhibition kind of work it's still it's always an elitist form isn't it there's always only a there's only a small section of the public of the of the population will ever get to see that exhibition or get to see that photographic print that beautifully done print and and there's something kind of appealing about about this all happening digitally now that maybe it, it might be great to gather in a particular place with other people on an at an, an, an event mm -hmm to talk about those images and to kind of kind of look at them and consider them but but equally it, it can be out there all the time exactly that's that's why you know just if you've got a, a you know just a gallery on your website with a show on at least at least it's there it's accessible 
there is that thing of you know physically going to a show but then you've got to you know people you've got to assume people can get there they've got transportation they can park all these things you know and you, you have to make an effort to to go to a show there's only certain kinds of people who ever go to to shows isn't it really uh, the, isn't yeah it? there are and i think the people who go are people will, all, will always go yeah. um and it's i think that's the hardest bit is trying to when i've been promoting exhibition especially when i was in london you know it was it was in a space but you had to go up some stairs and you know unless you really have to make it easy for people you have to make it as accessible as possible and that's where the internet and you know the whole digital technology that we've got now it's the way of using that in a way which still gives it some you know quality so you've got all the things like color balance and that's that's one thing you know if you especially if you're showing color prints you don't know what people are looking at it on yeah it might look awful on one device great on another you can't assume everybody's got their monitors calibrated yeah it's not as bad as it was it's not as bad it used to be back in the 90s it was terrible Um, or even the early 2000s yeah yeah, we were designing web pages back then was was really just you had no idea how something was going to look on people's screens so if you had any if you if you cared about that at all you you would just have to limit the number of colors of everything i think the way forward is really to have have both the best of both worlds so you could have a physical exhibition somewhere um whether it's print form what I'm particularly interested in is having a, a digital exhibition mm. in, a, in a venue so you still go to a show um, but it's shown in a digital format whether that's projected whether it's on a on a on a monitor on a screen and then you can see that online you can you know use all these other avenues mm. and uh, there's screens everywhere I mean well, not, scre- not only in our pocket but they're all all over the place now all the I mean, yeah, I mean just notice all, all of the uh, the, the uh, street public uh, poster sites are now digital sure you know we're losing a lot of the print ones and if you think you know it's it's i think uh for an artist a photographer it's it's new ways of thinking of how you can get your work out to people i'm thinking now just off the top of my head if you went to say a shopping center there'll be every shop you've got advertising hoardings if you could have some way of running part of a show every you know 10 minutes every hour um Mm. and break into that that commercial thing and just show a bit of this work yeah, uh, you know, you could suddenly get your work instead of it, it being a, a you know, you might get 100, 300 people a day coming to a show, print in a gallery, show that in a shopping center in that day, 10,000 people might see the work. Yeah, and, and then they take it home in their pockets. Yeah, on their, or look on it up online on later because they're interested and then they can look further into it. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really exciting just to just to figure out how these things are going to work and, and all the different ways of getting it. And I hope, I hope that. Uh, that this England too will uh, will ho- open up some of those possibilities. Yeah, it'll be very ex- exciting times. We'll see. Okay, thanks, Richard. Thanks for that, and hopefully talk again soon. Okay, thank you.